You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors regarding the upcoming Star Wars films, and uh, this time in particular, uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which at the time of us recording this is exactly one week away from release, Um, well, at least technically, because the 16th is a week away from today, but we'll be at the opening night you know, preview screenings or whatever on the Thursday night. So it's actually less than a week away. Uh, somebody pinch me. Um, but we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about, um, you know, in our, our final episode leading up to that. So as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. Tim, you excited yet? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> First of all, it's great to be back, and it's been a while since our last episode, but what a perfect time to come back when we're so close to Rogue One. And not just Rogue One, but our second Star Wars movie in two years. It's... uh the dream is happening. Star Wars movies every year. Is, I mean, getting The Force Awakens was, you know, was just something really special for it's the first Star Wars movies we've gotten in 10 years when we didn't expect to get. And then the possibility of Star Wars movies every year, that's coming to fruition next week and then just going to continue on and on. So it's just another great new era we're going into for Star Wars next week. And I could not be more excited. Yeah, definitely. I mean, man, and you can definitely tell like the the hype is at a fever pitch right now. Um, we've gotten not only the three main trailers that we've already talked about on previous episodes, but now there have been, I think, four international trailers released. Um, and I don't know who keeps track of the numbering for all these things, but if you go look up, like, the TV spots on YouTube, I think they're, like, in the 30s now or something. Um, <laughs> but it feels like 50 or so. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, there are, uh, you know, cast from the movie is showing up on uh, talk shows, and they're showing clips and, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff, so... Um, yeah, and, and like I said, you know, as far as we're concerned, you know, six days till we're going to be in a theater watching this. Um, I mean, I don't even know that that's fully hit me yet. Um, you know, it's, it's weird. It's a different kind of anticipation for me than it was for The Force Awakens. Like, and I've talked about before how, you know, especially like, you know, a few months ago, I wasn't nearly as hyped for Rogue One as I was for The Force Awakens. But I've gotten to the point now where, um, I mean, the footage that we've seen in these trailers and stuff looks really good. Um, 
And whereas with The Force Awakens, I was kind of trying to stay away from spoilers. With Rogue One, it seems like just, you know, most of the new stuff that we see is just, you know, more cool visuals and action shots and stuff like that without really giving too much story away. And as we've said before, we really know how the movie's going to end anyways with the Rebels getting the Death Star plans. It's just sort of a matter of how they get to that point and, you know, what happens to the characters along the way. But it's, it definitely seems like there's not as much, you know, secrecy around it and all that kind of thing. And so... Um, I mean, I've definitely gotten more hyped for it. I'm, you know, really excited for this now. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, but, you know, whereas with The Force Awakens, it was like, you know, going into this whole new era of Star Wars and wanting to know what was going to happen next to Luke and Han and Leia and all these new characters. Like, you sort of had that built in, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um... I don't know. We, we all had like a previous history. We, we all had more investment in that story um, mm. just because of those characters and stuff. And so with Rogue One, um, I don't know, like it's I'm and I'm not saying I'm, you know, less excited or that I'm not excited for it or anything. I'm just saying it's a different kind of feeling. Yeah, it's just um, hard to be on that level when, you know, you got those classic characters. Well, yeah, and for the first time. But again, it's it's time. it's not about trying to sort of compare the the hype level and saying, you know, what I'm most excited for, but it's just the the feeling is different. Like I'm still really excited for it, but I'm not like bouncing on the edge of my seat like about to fall over with anticipation. It's just sort of this satisfied feeling of knowing like, you know, whenever Rogue One comes along, it's not going to, you know, completely blow my mind with story twists or whatever, but I'm hope I'm I'm hoping and thinking that we're going to get probably some of the best action scenes we've ever gotten in a Star Wars movie um up to this point. Um I mean the the battle on Scarif with the walkers and stuff looks awesome. Um every time we see a TV spot with like new shots of ships and like the space battle that's going to be in this thing and Dude. I mean the <laughs> U-wing and the X-wings and stuff, I do kind of lose my mind a little bit over those. Um but again, it's it's you know, less of an anticipation for the story and more of just an anticipation of seeing some really awesome action and just, you know, a return to the Star Wars universe. And so, um, I don't know, I, I guess I'm, and I'm glad that I feel that way about it because it's made the time go by a lot faster. Um, you know, whereas with the force awakens, it was like, Oh my gosh, is this movie here yet already? I need to find out who, who's behind that Kylo Ren mask and you know, all that kind of stuff with the, with rogue one. It's just like, It'll get here when it gets here, and when it does, it's going to be awesome, and I'm going to love it. So, and now it's like, oh crap, what? It's already six days away. Sweet. I know. What's the that's <laughs> best? The best feeling when you can happen where you're looking forward to something, and then it sneaks up on you, and it's here already. And although I do, oh, well, I think it's pretty obvious that the marketing for Rogue One is different than how they were doing it for The Force Awakens, and even with the ticket sales, I mean, those just went on sale about two weeks ago. And it's a lot later than when The Force Awakens went on set, which was in October. And so it was like just a few weeks before the actual movie comes out, which mm -hmm. was a little strange. I wonder why when the decision to make them do that. But and just even with the TV spots and clips and international trailers, I know I made a joke saying how it felt like it, there was 50 of them because it just seems like to me anyway, they're releasing a lot more than they did for The Force Awakens. And I actually had to come to a point where I'm keeping away from that stuff now just because we're so close whereas the force awakens i just ate all of them up <laughs> and watched them as soon as they come out because i was confident they weren't going to show the most important stuff and all the awesome stuff that 
they're saving for the movie, which in turn, I think they did a great job. They did not show all, a lot of the cool stuff that we ended up seeing in The Force Awakens, especially that end lightsaber battle, which they pretty much showed nothing of. Mm-hmm. But with this one, since they're releasing so much more and more new clips, it's like, uh, and plus being, you know, the first standalone Star Wars movie, maybe they are pushing it just a little bit more than they were with The Force Awakens, kind of to going with your point that you were mentioning earlier. But so I'm thinking maybe they are showing more stuff that, you know, might be more of what's going to be in the movie instead of holding it back. So that's why I'm keeping away from it now. But boy, the stuff that I did see early on when the TV spots started first coming out and these international trailers, geez, it's just looking incredible. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, these battle sequences, yeah, we know what the story is, but we're, I think we're going to see battles that we've never seen before in a Star Wars movie. And oh, it's absolutely. just incredible. And I just can't wait to experience it all for the first time when we're in our movie theater seats, just sitting back and just being blown away by it. And it's all going to happen just six short days. So, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, it's going to be incredible. Yeah, and I mean, I know these are these are high marks to clear, but it is looking like, I mean, this battle on Scarif could surpass the Battle of Hoth as, you know, just the, the biggest and coolest uh, land battle that we've seen. You know, all you, you know, original trilogy purists out there who think Empire Strikes Back is the greatest movie of all time, don't crucify me you know yet because i'm not predicting that's going to happen and i'm not saying that is the case i'm going to wait till i see the movie first i'm just saying it looks like it has that potential in terms of just the scale and the visuals and all that kind of stuff and then as far as the space battle goes um i mean it doesn't look quite as big in scale as the the battle of endor but still just in terms of you know action and stuff um, and just, you know, sort of the scope of this big space battle, like, th- this could be one of the best ones of the series as well, so... Um, and could have some pretty cool cameos in that sequence, mm-hmm. too. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't spoil that for any of you who haven't seen a particular TV spot yet. Um, but, you know, it's funny, I kind of took the opposite approach that you did. Um, like... I mean, obviously, I watched all the trailers, and I've watched every international trailer that's come out, too, Um, and there's been some really cool new footage in those, but as far as the TV spots, like, when those first started coming out, I I pretty much avoided them online, except that I did see, I I have seen a couple actually on TV, Um, and, you know, I don't try to avoid those, like, you know, when you're fast-forwarding between commercials on you know arrow or the flash or whatever and then happen to see a star wars logo flash up for one of them then you know i just have to be like oh wait back it up i want to see what this is Um, i had to do that too yeah it's like how can you not (laughs) yeah um but i i was staying away from it more at first and then just you know i i started to loosen up a little bit uh more recently like i watched a couple of the the new clips that came out um and last night I watched a bunch of TV spots on YouTube. And when I say a bunch, I mean, it was maybe like five or six at the most out of, you know, like the 30 or 40 that they've released so far. So I'm definitely not trying to watch all of them. But I mean, some of the ones that I did see were just incredible. And again, showed some new, really cool looking stuff without feeling like, oh, they gave up, you know, gave too much away or, um, oh, I wish I hadn't seen that. Um, it's just like, oh, this gets me even more excited. Um, You know, there were, like, some new shots of Yavin, uh, some, you know, I mean, like I said, every time there's new shots of the space battle, I get excited. Um, And just, you know, the characters in action. There have been a couple new shots that I've seen of uh, Baze and Chiru, like, in action against stormtroopers that 
makes me think that man whoever Dude. decided to cast donnie yen for this part was a genius because i think he's gonna be awesome that um, sequence in particular is kind of one i really want to stay away from right now because they've shown some in those tv spots like you said some more cool shots of it it just looks so awesome and i just want to see more of that cool stuff for the first time on screen so that one in particular that moment in particular is kind of what's driving me not to watch a lot of those tv spots because i just have a feeling that little by little they're showing more new footage from that sequence and mm-hmm. where might end up being the majority of it so i want to keep myself clear from that because it does look incredible just from the little bit more yeah. i did see in the earlier tv spots well but it's also not just from that one scene where he's kind of like in the middle of the street on jetta surrounded by stormtroopers um i i won't spoil it if you haven't seen it but have you seen the the tv i think it was a tv spot or maybe it was the the international trailer number four, but the one where it has a really cool moment with him um, in that other planet that like where it's dark and raining and he, no, I and he uses it. his, uh, his fold out bowcaster thing. No, I haven't. Oh man. Okay. Good. You're <laughs> this guy <laughs> is man. I, I, I feel confident in saying that Chirrut will probably be my second favorite character in this movie. And the reason I say second favorite is because the one other thing that I've absolutely loved about these, you know, some of the new footage that we've seen, um, and especially one of the full clips that they released, uh, is K2SO seems like he is going to be the new most quoted Star Wars character after this movie. Um, (laughs) I just cannot wait to see this guy. And he's, I mean, again, just from the brief glimpses we've seen so far, he's already got some hilarious one-liners. Um, there's one clip of, uh, him and Jin and Cassian in the cockpit of their ship. And he's complaining about why Jin gets a blaster and he doesn't. And, you know, thinking that she's going to use it on them and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I just love his, his delivery of his lines and his just sort of darkly humorous, you know, sarcastic attitude. Um, and it's funny because when we first found out about you know, when we first got like the first inf- official information about the characters for this movie, I think he was the one that interested me the most. But then from like the the trailers and stuff that we saw, I mean, maybe they didn't really highlight him much or, you know, they just we didn't hear much of his dialogue. And so um, I was kind of maybe a little bit worried that, oh, maybe he's not going to be. Uh, as awesome as I thought, because otherwise they'd be, you know, sort of showing him off a little bit more, wouldn't they? And, you know, in the meantime, I was looking at characters like, you know, Baze and Chirrut and Jin and Saw Gerrera and going like, oh man, these guys are going to be cool. Um, but then I see, you know, this, some of this new footage and I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I was excited about this guy in the first place. And it looks like he's going to live up to that. So. Yeah. My favorite um, new clip of him was let's see once they showed in. Uh, it was on Thanksgiving Day when the Wonderful World of Disney special had that little Rogue One uh, preview. And this, that one moment where we're on the streets of Jeddah where that stormtrooper, which looks like they're finally using their grenades on their back. Hopefully that's it. <laughs> where he, he just tosses it. And then just so nonchalantly, he, K2SO just catches it. And you see all the stormtroopers, more of them come from behind. just so casually tosses it behind them. And then they just all explode up. Stuff like that is just like, and for the other example you gave of his reaction to that clip with Cassian and Jin and her blaster was great. And then there was that other one. And I think it was actually the very first clip they released where Jin or not Jin, but Felicity Jones was on the tonight show. And they showed a clip where uh, they're, well, see, I don't know if I should say this. If 
people are avoiding it and want to be surprised. But he has another funny moment there uh, regarding Jin and what she does with her blaster. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. just a lot of great moments with K2, so like you said, and just it just makes you think he's going to be a scene stealer anytime he's on screen and has dialogue throughout. So, And we know this, like, from what we've seen and what we heard in interviews, this is going to be more, you know, it's being built as a war movie, a little more uh, serious in tone, but I think K2SO is there to have the levity and just bring, in the, bring out the fun that, you know, Star Wars is supposed to have too. And he's definitely displaying that in the clips we've seen in the TV spot. So, yeah, I don't know if he's my most anticipated character just yet. I'm just kind of waiting to see my reaction when I see the movie after it's all said and done and who stands out to me. But he definitely has the potential to be one of them, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, the other reason I say that too is because um, at this point they've had like some press screenings at Lucasfilm where they've uh, not shown the whole movie yet because uh, that's going to be at the world premiere, which uh, is actually tomorrow um, or today depending on uh when we actually get this episode posted and you guys are listening to it but uh it's uh saturday december 10th um is when the world premiere is and uh you can you know live stream the red carpet event and everything on uh, starwars.com um but they've you know had these preview screenings uh where they show like 28 minutes of footage and i think it's you know a good chunk of the beginning of the movie like i don't know maybe 15 or 20 minutes of just the beginning of the movie and then uh, some other scenes um, from later on that are kind of, you know, out of sequence or whatever. Um, and everything I've heard so far has been really positive. Um, yeah. And I was a little skeptical at first because I've heard of other movies doing these same kind of screenings, like with, uh, you know, Suicide Squad. I think, you know, they had like some early sneak peek screening for fans and a lot of people, you know, loved it. And there was a lot of, you know, positive reaction from that. And then that wasn't the uh, the universal reaction when the movie actually came out. Um, but then realizing that, you know, this was like an actual like official press event and these aren't just fans that are tweeting about this, that these are actual like, you know, legit movie critics and stuff that are saying uh, that, you know, everything they've seen so far looks good. Um, that's got me excited. Also, apparently George Lucas has seen the entire movie and gave it his stamp of approval, which man, good for Gareth Edwards. Like, yeah, um, did you did you hear how all that went down? Uh, yeah, I think it's I a pretty did. Cool like, story. Yeah, I read like an interview with him or something where he was saying like George just kind of called him out of the blue, um, and it was like while they were on one of their press tours or something. Right? Yeah, uh, he was like in the middle of doing you know press interviews, and I think a Lucasfilm representative said, "Hey, like you should probably take a break right now." I was like, "No, I'm good." They're like, "No, you really need to take a break right now." <laughs> like, take him into another room. He goes, "George Lucas is on the line." And I love Gareth Edwards when he was telling the story. He's all, he's all "No offense to all you press that's here, but this was the only review I actually cared about." And I could say, I, like, definitively, I could die a happy man now, <laughs> knowing that he really liked it. So yeah, it's just really great to hear that. And then also on this latest episode of the Star Wars show, they were showing the little uh, sequence where the ILM crew and Kathleen Kennedy were, you know, celebrating the release of Rogue One. And then they had John Knoll on the line and he said he just got off the phone and had a great conversation with George Lucas about how much he loved the movie. I was emotional. It looked great. Just seems like he couldn't be happier with it. And <laughs> I just get the feeling, I think he enjoyed Rogue One a lot more than he did the force awakens. Cause mm -hmm. I don't recall him giving JJ a call out of the blue <laughs> or anyone else. So uh, I know he said he enjoyed it and all that. And I'm sure he did, but I think Rogue One was probably something he's a little more happier with. It just seems like, cause he's going out of his way to tell Gareth Edwards and, you know, John know how much he loved it. So I yeah. think it's 
a good story all the way around. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, with with George Lucas and The Force Awakens, I mean, obviously we've heard the rumors and stuff that he wasn't really all that happy with it. I mean, in at least like the interviews that I remember reading, his answers seemed pretty diplomatic as yeah. far as like, oh, I think they did a good job and I think the fans are going to like it and – um, I mean, I think that was the, the biggest praise that he gave it was that, um, you know, they made something for the fans and this is, you know, a movie that the fans are going to love, but he didn't specifically say that he loved it. Um, at least as far as I can remember. And obviously, like I said, there were, you know, rumblings that he was unhappy with it or that he thought, you know, they changed his original vision too much. Um, so I don't know, maybe he just didn't like it as much because he was sort of more, invested in episode seven because he had actually written a treatment for it and then they sort of deviated from you know what he was expecting and with rogue one obviously it was an original idea that they had after he left um but i think you know that probably says something about the quality of the movie too and that's not necessarily a knock against the force awakens because look how popular that movie was um and how well received it's been by fans i mean it it does have you know it's fair share of criticisms from certain people um but I don't know many people who would say that that's a terrible movie. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think most people, if they were to rank their favorite Star Wars movies, you know, I think at least like 75% of the fans would probably have it at least somewhere in the middle of their rankings, if not somewhere near the top. Um, and so to go from that and, you know, saying that that was definitely a successful movie and by most standards a good movie and um, – I mean, not that George Lucas is, you know, the be all end all that, you know, just because he likes it means it's going to be the best movie ever made. But I would think that, you know, the the opinion of the guy who created Star Wars would carry some weight as to you know how good a Star Wars movie is going to mm. be. So the fact that he's actually, you know, that excited about this and is actually, you know, calling the, the crew and the people involved to tell him how much he loved it. Like, that's a good sign for me. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's just a good feeling knowing, like you said, the creator of Star Wars, you know, gets his stamp of approval on it <laughs> because, you know, of course, anyone making it like Gareth Edwards would want that. And was, that's what they're aiming for. So the fact that he succeeded is, you know, I just can't imagine how awesome a feeling that must be for him growing up a diehard fan, getting into movies because of, because of it, he gets the chance to make a Star Wars movie and then the creator tells him he really liked it. That's got to be like the greatest feeling in the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think he said something too, like he was like, I think the two most surreal moments that could ever happen to a person are one to be a director and have George Lucas tell you that he loved your star Wars movie. And two is to be George Lucas and tell someone else that you loved their star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just how sort of, bizarre and awesome and you know just almost unthinkable like both of those scenarios are i know well back in 2005 after revenge of the sis we never thought that'd be a scenario we'd be talking about george yeah. lucas let alone there being other movies for star wars but then having someone else do it and then george lucas giving the stamp the thumbs up and the stamp of approval like mm -hmm. Never in a million years I thought of that back then. Yeah, well, you know, congratulations to Gareth Edwards and, you know, the whole team on that. Um, and I only hope that, you know, once the uh, movie actually comes out that we all share the same, uh, you know, excitement and high praise for it. Um, yeah, totally. But yeah, see, to, to all the people that were worried about the reshoots and thinking like, oh, the movie's in trouble, it's not good enough, like... Either you were wrong or 
they did what they were supposed to do with the reshoots and you know there were problems and they fixed it so exactly yep. you know you um, should be thankful for the reshoots because <laughs> that more than likely i think was the case yeah something wasn't clicking right and then they fixed it in those reshoots and now hopefully and it looks like we've gotten a great star wars movie because of it yeah i mean to, you know to the people that were like criticizing them for that or making a big deal out of it it's almost like Oh, look at that guy. He's bleeding. Oh, oh, he's putting on a Band-Aid. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's what he's supposed to do to fix the bleeding. Um, I know. Yeah, I'm just happy, too, for Garrett. In other words, the more of the, I've been following Rogue One, it just, he seems like a just not only a genuine, good, like, diehard Star Wars fan, but he's a good guy who gets it, you know. Mm-hmm. He shows passion that he has. It seems genuine in all these interviews and documentary stuff we get to see and just the stories he tells like him and uh ben mendelson geeking out about darth vader being on the set and then being a little bit distracted when he knew mark hamill was there <laughs> watching <laughs> the film was seen and you know the the success that it looks like he's gonna have with this and i know his biggest thing was getting george lucas's approval which he's got so i'm just happy for him that it all so far is going, <laughs> I guess, as well as it could be, despite maybe some troubles with the reshoots and all that, as far as, you know, having that be some, you know, getting blown out of proportion, maybe. But uh, just, I'm just happy that it looks like it's all working out in the end. And he made the Star Wars film he wanted and it looks like it's succeeding. Yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously, you know, we have to wait to reserve judgment until we actually see it for ourselves next week. And, you know, once the reviews of the final movie come in. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to jump the gun and call it a resounding success yet, but I'm just saying that so far, you know, all signs are pointing in the right direction. (laughs) So, uh, definitely something to be excited about. And then one more thing, uh, I was just gonna say, it would be a major shock (laughs) if it turns out to be a a bad film where we're just so disappointed with it. It'd be a mega scale shock. Yeah. I mean, I think the only way that that could happen would be if the, ending was really disappointing but i mean it's kind of hard to screw that up because again it leads right into a new hope so i mean again i i'm still expecting the last shot of the movie to just be the rebel blockade runner you know the tanted four taking off in the middle of the space battle and darth vader taking off after it Mm. um and you know there might be some sort of more you know emotional resolution afterwards um, or, you know, actually, and, and this will kind of tie in, um, one other thing we didn't mention is it's now been confirmed that the movie does not have an opening crawl at the beginning, um, yeah. which we had speculated about for a long time, but I'm thinking because they're not doing that, I mean, if they're opening it differently, maybe they'll end it differently and, you know, who knows, maybe we could get a scene of like, I mean, if any of the, the members of this mission survive um that maybe um you know we'll we'll see the conclusion of the battle and the tanta four taking off and the death star going after it and we know that a new hope is about to begin and then maybe it jumps to like six months or a year afterwards or something like that and you see Mm -hmm. you know cassie and with a bunch of other rebels like celebrating that they've just destroyed the death star and uh you know, remembering all the the people that, you know, sacrificed to steal the plans or something like that. I don't know. Huh. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I that never thought about that possibility. Cool. That could be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, we'll... Well, you're talking about 
Well, the first this Death Star, right? Not after Death Star Two, where they toppled the Empire. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm talking about the first, the first okay. Death Star. Um, I mean, I was gonna say just you know a, a moment where you know they could just be you know remembering um, you know their their fallen comrades or something like that. But then I was like, well, if you think about it, I mean, unless it took place like five years afterwards or something, like if any of the rebel characters in this movie do survive, then you know, if it, if the final scene was like a few months later or something, theoretically, you would think they'd still be fighting with the rebellion. So, um, you know, I don't yeah. know. Maybe, maybe that's what I was wondering. Like, are you going like more that. for maybe celebrating on the Battle of Endor or something like that, where maybe not on Endor, but once they blow up Death Star two and they know they defeated Palpatine and Vader, then you get like the full, you know, recollection of you know. The mm-hmm. first major victory the Rebel Alliance had, which, you know, that's what we're going to see in Rogue One, the survivors of that, you know, kind of looking back. So Yeah, well, but I think it would be more fitting to have them celebrating the destruction of the first Death Star just because yeah. it would sort of be bringing their story full circle. You know, like, yeah, it was. it's great that they destroyed the second Death Star and, you know, overthrew the Empire, but... You know, I mean, and at this point, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that Jin's not going to make it out of this movie. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm like, you know, Jin didn't die for that. Many Bothans did, but Jin didn't. She died for the first Death Star. So, you know, I think just as far as like the personal stories of the characters in this movie, you know, to just sort of, you know, wrap it up at the end with, you know, maybe one last surviving member seeing that the Death Star did finally get destroyed. Um would be, you know, kind of a nice conclusion, but then at the same time acknowledging that they still have more work to do, so. Yeah. I guess for me, another big thing would be how I judge the movie is what's going to happen with the Death Troopers? How are they handled? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I have theories in my head of what their outcome may be, so we'll see. I don't want to build it up too much, but there's there's a potential for some cool stuff with them that I just hope we get, Mm -hmm. or I get. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and hey, you know what? Even if they're pathetically wasted in this movie, at least you get to play as them in Battlefront now, which is more than you can say for Captain Phasma. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't experienced that yet. I, I've gotten killed by one of them. Which <laughs> is my, so. Yeah, I have too. <laughs> um, but anyway, then one last thing I want to uh, mention about Rogue One, um, and we'll come back to it at the end and kind of just give some of our final thoughts um, before, uh, you know, uh, uh, to wrap up our last episode before we actually get to see the movie. But... Um, they also just released, I guess this was just released today because I'm looking at the post on our website right now. It says December 10th, but that's tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Entertainment Weekly released a, a little video teaser that has, um, you know, it's from like a, a musical scoring session um, of, you know, Michael Giacchino uh, doing the score for Rogue One and has uh, samples of a couple of tracks. Um, one called Her Path is Clear and one called Approach to Eadu. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but um, yeah, you can watch this. It's just like a little two and a half minute video, so I don't think it's like the full tracks, but it just gives you a little teaser of what the music is going to be like. And man, if these two minutes are any indication, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> like, yes, it does. I mean... Man, I I was excited to have Michael Giacchino come on board and score this movie. Like, I thought he was going to do a great job, but I did not expect it to be this great. And I think it's it's weird because I almost expected him to do something more different. And kind of like what what Kevin Kiner has done with the music for, like, Clone Wars and Rebels. 
where obviously he, you know, he reuses a lot of iconic themes, but then he also does a lot of his own music that sounds different from John Williams, but at the same time also fits with the tone and the feel of Star Wars, and it kind of works as a nice companion piece. I, I was kind of expecting something a little more different from what's come before, but the music that you hear in this clip sounds like it could have been you know, music that John Williams wrote from for like a deleted scene from the original trilogy that we just never got to hear. Like it blends so well. And at the same time, it's I mean, it's it's hard to describe, but it strikes this really different, this really fine balance where it sounds exactly like Star Wars music. But it doesn't sound like he's just ripping off John Williams or trying to be mm -hmm. a copycat or, you know, take the easy way out by just replicating what John Williams has done. Um, there's like the, the first track that the one called her path is clear. Um, you know, it definitely sounds like this is um, going to be playing over a scene that's maybe kind of leading up to a battle scene or like during a, a tense moment. It's not like sort of all out action, dramatic score, but it definitely has like a dramatic buildup to it. Um, and it's, it's like he took that opening line from the imperial march just that dum dum da -da -dum, da -da 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 dum like that part and almost like made a completely different track out of it and so it's not like those those main recognizable notes to the imperial march that we all think of but it's like you know you can still tell it's definitely inspired by that but he kind of did something a little bit different with it you know just kind of played with it a little bit didn't do the most expected thing um so, man, yeah, it just sounds really good. Like, and I was telling you this, you know, before we recorded, because I, I listened to this for the first time, like, just a few minutes before we started recording this episode, and I was, like, expecting to listen to it and kind of just be thinking about it and be like, okay, this is cool, and kind of analyze, like, does it sound too similar? Does it sound too different? You know, how does it compare to the previous films? But instead, it immediately drew me in, and I could just, you know, I, I was just picturing... X-Wings and TIE Fighters and Stormtroopers and all that good stuff and the music just you know, fit with those images perfectly like it it just sounds like Star Wars music should so that is now something that I'm even more excited about for this movie um you know again it's just a brief you know two and a half minutes but if that's any indication uh Michael Giacchino sounds like he uh it maybe has knocked this out of the park so um yeah very excited for that yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I was anxious to hear something from the new score. And, you know, I said before how I wish we were getting the soundtrack before the movie comes out uh, or comes out. But I've got we got a little preview of what to expect. And like you, I mean, if these two tracks are any indication for what the whole score is going to be. I think we're going to be in for some more great new Star Wars music, which, you know, much like how Rogue One's a new era for Star Wars and being the first standalone, this is the first Star Wars movie to have music without John Williams composing it. So this is, you know, another big step that we're taking into uncharted space when it comes to new Star Wars stuff. So, but yeah, I love what I heard on this. It just felt that the tunes were catchy, the themes that were playing there, and it just felt like it was ripped from the A New Hope soundtrack. I know you said it sounded like it could be from any of the original trilogy, but for me, I thought it specifically sounded like the style of A New Hope, and which is, I think, exactly how it should be because, you know, it's leading right up to it. So mm -hmm. the fact that it is going to match up at least pretty well musically, I just love that aspect. And, 
yeah, like you said, <laughs> it just drew you in when you heard it and just made you picturing the sequences that well, the first one, like you said, it looks like it was more of a build-up, but the second one looks like it's going to be part of something that's going to be in an action sequence, which totally fit, and it just felt like or sounded like Star Wars. And yeah, I was—I guess I was—I wouldn't say I was blown away by it just yet, but I was pleasantly surprised of how much I got into it. And because I know it was said before too, where I was a little concerned if uh, Giacchino had enough time to you know fully get into this project and create some great music and themes for Rogue One, and but. Just with the short little samples that we've got, I think he's gonna do it. I think he's nailing it so far. So, yeah, I totally agree. I like what I'm hearing and can't wait to experience his full score for the first time when we're actually seeing the movie. So, yeah, I'm really excited to hear more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know you know you kind of brought this up. Like we've disagreed before about like whether they should release the full soundtrack before the movie comes out. Is it better to listen to it to it ahead of time? Is it better to wait? And obviously it's just a matter of preference. Like even if the score came out before the movie, it's not like everybody has to go listen to it. Um, but I love hearing just little teasers like this. Um, Cause I don't want to listen to the whole soundtrack before I see the movie. I don't want to see the full track listing and accidentally get something spoiled. I don't want to listen to the soundtrack all the way through and just sort of from the tone of the music think I can kind of piece together like how things are going to happen and you know where somebody's going to die where the heroes are going to win a big battle you know all that kind of stuff but I love to just get little teasers like this just giving you a sense of you know what it's going to sound like so you know we have just a little bit of an idea of of what to expect and just something to to whet our appetite um just you know kind of like in the same way that trailers and and tv spots and stuff do so um yeah, I, I was really glad that they released this, and uh, man, that that was like the surprise highlight of my day right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's pretty much all the uh, the Rogue One news uh, that we've got to talk about. Um, oh, also, actually, you know what? Um, we also didn't mention that uh, the Rogue One Catalyst novel is out now, um, and I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. But Tim, I know you have, right? Yeah. So you want to give us just a brief spoiler free, uh, you know, kind of just, you know, some quick thoughts on uh, on that book and maybe how it ties into the movie? Yeah, definitely. I just finished it about a week ago and I loved it. I will say it's probably if I had to rank them, I don't don't know which order just yet, but it's probably my top three novels of as far as the new canon goes. I I felt this was a perfect book to have to be a tie-in to release of a new star wars movie and i kind of wish it was something that we got for the force awakens and i wasn't a big fan of aftermath and they held on to the uh i forget the name of it it's me right now but the junior novel that had the short stories with ray finn and poe they held that out until the movie actually came out I think oh yeah better. um before the awakening be- yeah there you go thanks uh, it was that would have been i think better if that came out before the movie just to get you hyped up and invested more into the character. It just makes it a little more special when you have a little more backstory to it. And this is exactly what Catalyst did for Galen Urso and director Orson Krennic. I mean, I probably can't, couldn't say they were my most, you know, characters I was excited about to see in the movie, but now I am by reading that book. I just love how it established their relationships, what they went through and how it all started in the Clone Wars and stuff that happens in between. It's just really great stuff with their relationship, and not only between them two, but with Galen's wife, uh, Lyra, which I believe her name is. And we know we're going to see her in the movie, but she was one of the new characters and footage we saw in some of the international trailers. And 
TV spots that came out. So just a great backstory with them and just how they lived their life as a family when Jin was born and, you know, just all that stuff that's going to make what you see on screen that more, you're, it's going to make you that more invested in it and just be more meaningful when you see the movie. So from a character standpoint, it did its job beautifully as far as getting you, you know, invested to these characters that you know you're going to see later on, which I think helped in my enjoyment of it. And then just as being diehard Star Wars fan, there was some cool stuff that just elaborated more on the lore and history of Star Wars, in particular, the planet of Geonosis and, you know, how they're involved with the Death Star and knowing how we saw in episode two, Poggle was the one who had the plans and gave it to Dooku. But were the Geonosians actually the ones that had those plans they created? Were they the ones that actually helped build the Death Star? Those are stuff I always wondered on. I kind of assumed, but it is revealed what their role is in the Death Star in this book. And I thought that was really cool. There's some great stuff with Poggle and Lester here. So, hmm. yeah, definitely some great stuff. There is a character that showed up that I didn't expect to, which, you know, it's going to add more to the movie when you see that as well. So don't want to give too many spoilers away, but it hit all the right beats for me and I couldn't be more happier with it. The only thing was that I really normally take my time with reading novels. But this one, and I kind of wanted to save this one to maybe finish it this weekend or a few days before the movie actually comes out just to have it lead into it a lot closer. But I just couldn't put it down. I just wanted to keep <laughs> on reading it. So I finished it sooner than I usually do. But yeah, I highly recommend anyone who hasn't read it yet before they see the movie. I know there's not too much time now, but it's not a very long book, maybe about 330 pages. So I think it's just going to add to the experience for those who read it. And when they see Rogue One, you're just going to get so much more from or out of Galen or so and director Krennic because I think Krennic's going to have a sizable role. We know he's the main villain, but I'm not sure how much we're going to see of Galen or so. And it really established him as a, as a character you root for in the catalyst. So yeah, it did its job beautifully as setting up aspects of the story for rogue one and then with its characters. So I highly recommend it. Who? Well, that's good to know. Um, I'm just trying to decide if I, still want to try to read that before the movie comes out i mean yeah because it could be a cool thing too after you see the movie and then you get the history of what you saw in their you know the relationship that krennic and urso had and you might get more enjoyment out of the book knowing how it plays out in the movie so it can work good on that front it's too. true but i mean part of me like i i hope i don't read the book and go oh man i wish i had known this going into the movie for the first time um, but I could always just watch the movie, then read the book and then, you know, sort of get more out of the movie on my second or third or fourth viewing of it. So that's um, what happened to me with the before the awakening, but after I finished it, I went to see the force awakens again and just thought, okay, mm -hmm. now I know who that stormtrooper is. And that yeah, before it was officially announced, I kind of put it together that it was probably, him. yeah, um, so, yeah I will say, I know I've, uh, there's been a little bit of responses I've seen from it where, it's kind of a slow read. I will say there's not very much action in the book, but still I just got invested with the characters and just some of the stuff it reveals about uh, the Death Star. And like I said, with stuff with Geonosis that kept me engrossed with it. So just don't go into it expecting like a lot of big action stuff. It's mainly a character driven book. Yeah. That's more what I'm expecting from Rogue One, the movie, not Rogue One, the novel. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I, I probably will just wait till after the movie at this point um, only because you know, again, we've only got a week left and I'm kind of a slow reader anyways, but at the same time, I'm one of those people that can get sucked into a book and, you know, I'll, 
I'll be reading late at night and think, oh, I'm just going to finish this chapter. And then that chapter ends on a big cliffhanger and I end up staying up to like three in the morning reading like two more chapters or especially like when I get close to the end of a book, um, you know, like say a book is like three or 400 pages. I usually will read maybe like 20, 30, 40 pages a night. But I've had on several occasions, like when you get to the end of a book and just, you know, start building up towards that climax and I'll end up reading the last like hundred pages in one night and it's like, you know, okay, one more chapter. Okay, one more chapter. Okay, one yeah. more chapter. <laughs> oh, there's only like 20 pages left. You know, it's one in the morning, but screw it. I'm just going to finish this book tonight because it's so good. Yeah. So I can definitely <laughs> see myself doing that with catalyst especially if i'm trying to get through it before the movie comes out and you know i don't need to be dead tired at work all week next week especially because when it comes to thursday i want to be you know plenty awake when i get off work to go see the movie so um yeah might just hold off on that one but um well once i do read it i'll let you know what i think and uh, you know we can compare perspectives of um you know having read it before the movie as opposed to reading it afterwards yeah um, all right, well, let's move on to uh, some of the other news. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of stuff coming out since, uh, you know, our last episode, because it's been like a month since we recorded. But, um, you know, a lot of that has just been Rogue One TV spots and posters and international trailers and all that stuff. So we kind of, you know, summed all that up. Um, but there has been some news regarding uh, some of the other films in the franchise, uh, most notably, um, I think it was actually just on our last episode when we talked about uh, Donald Glover having been cast as Lando in the uh, young Han Solo film. And now it's also been announced that Amelia Clark, uh, who people probably best know as Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones, um, has also been cast uh, in that movie as well in an uh, so far unannounced role. Um, so probably not going to be playing anyone that we've seen before, but, you know, probably just a, a new... Um, well, you know, possibly female protagonist or antagonist, maybe. Um, but, you know, I, we don't know anything about her character. But uh, if you're fans of Game of Thrones like Tim and I are, um, you know, you're probably pretty excited about this casting. So, yeah, uh, I think it's safe to say that I probably am a lot more excited about this casting than I would have been just a few months ago <laughs> before yeah. I... Uh, our friend Paul made me watch Game of Thrones and made me fall in love with the series and the characters. So knowing that we got Amelia Clark being in a Star Wars movie, I'm just so excited for it now. But I am kind of hoping she's playing a villain character. That would be kind of cool to see her in that role since we're so familiar as far as her being a uh, protagonist in Game of Thrones. And I just recently saw uh, Terminator Genesis where she played Sarah Connor, which she did fine in that, as, but again, like another hero role. So it would be kind of cool to see her, how she does as a villain, which, you know, I can kind of see them going that direction to have maybe the main antagonist in a Han Solo movie be uh, a female villain where, you know, this can cause more problems for <laughs> Han Solo. So I'm kind of hoping that's the case. But yeah, regardless, I'm just excited that she's going to be part of the Star Wars uh, family now. So mm -hmm. can't wait to see what uh, she does with the role. Yeah. You know, it's funny because one thing I did notice about this, and I won't say this is a criticism, but maybe a, a slight red flag. Um, I mean, you've probably heard there are certain groups of people out there that are, you know, complaining about, uh, you know, like, 
I don't know, Star Wars becoming too feminist or whatever that like, oh, first we had Rey and now we've got Jin and, you know, they're having like too many like female lead characters in these movies, which I mean, come on, guys, it's two movies so far, like chill out. Um, we guys have had our turn with all the other six movies, so I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm not concerned true. about that. And obviously, Amelia Clark isn't going to be the main character in this Han Solo film because Han Solo is going to be the main character in the Han Solo film. Um, I have absolutely no problem with all these, you know, awesome, uh, you know, actresses that they're bringing in. I'm just like, how many more, you know, white brunette British actresses are we going to get? Because with, you know, Daisy Ridley and then uh, Felicity Jones and now Amelia Clark, I'm like, they could all be cousins. Let's maybe start mixing <laughs> up the diversity a little bit more. But, you know, aside from that, I have no problem with it. So, um, but yeah, no, definitely. Don't, don't, don't be starting theories where, you know, they're all going to be related and connected somehow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, remember when kidding, Felicity but... Jones was first cast in Rogue One, a lot of people immediately were like, oh, I bet she's Ray's mom. Yeah. Um, and it's like, guys, we have nothing to base that off of story-wise so far, except that they just kind of look similar. But at the same time, like, they do kind of look similar. So, um, but, you know, I don't know. Um, again, I'm not, you know, in any way complaining about this, I'm just like, you know, maybe after this, let's start branching out a little more. Maybe, I don't know. Um, just something just more. That's, that's more just an observation than a, a criticism or a warning or anything like that. Um, but regardless, I mean, again, the Han Solo movie is shaping up to be something that I'm really excited for. And we still don't really know anything about the story, except that it's going to involve Han and Lando and presumably Chewie. Um, but just based on, you know, the characters that we know are involved and the actors and directors that we know so far are involved. Um, I can't wait for that one. Yeah. I mean, I'm still seeing the people not <laughs> really caring or interested in the Han Solo movie, but has just, I think it, I know I said this before. I probably sound like a broken record, but it's gonna. I think it's gonna surprise those people as being not just a different Star Wars movie, but a really good, fun Star Wars movie that I think is hopefully gonna turn those naysayers around. Because just with the cast alone, we're just getting some great actors involved with it, and yeah, I'm just getting more excited. The news that comes out from this movie, I haven't heard one bad thing about it that made me scratch my head or go, I don't know. Everything is sounding more positive and just getting me more pumped up for the movie. So, yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. And yeah, again, like it's I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, did we need this movie? No. But was it a heck of a lot of fun? Yeah. Exactly. That's that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. Yeah, if you were to give me a bunch of characters for a standalone movie, I, there was a lot I'd choose before Han Solo, but that's what we're getting. That's not like Han Solo is a bad character who, you know, I wouldn't want to see more of. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be good. I can't, I can't wait for well, it. Well, yeah, and I mean, obviously, it's not just the, the actors and the directors, but the story people at Lucasfilm, I think, obviously know what they're doing, too, because even just based on story concepts, like, if you had said, like, hey, you know, you can get to have a spin-off film about any you know story in the Star Wars universe. There are about 50 different stories I would have come up with before. Uh, oh, let's have the, the story of the rebels who stole the Death Star plans before a new hope, because it's like, we know how that story is going to end. Uh, you know, and, and to be perfectly honest, I wasn't 
super excited about the concept of Rogue One when it was when it was first announced. I mean, I was intrigued. I was like, okay, let's see what they do with this. But just based on the concept alone, I wasn't like, oh man, that's gonna be awesome. Um, but now that we're a week away from Rogue One and I'm seeing all these trailers and stuff, I'm like, oh man, that's gonna be awesome. So you know, I I think they definitely know how to turn something that might not sound like the most exciting thing right off the bat and definitely do some cool things with it and you know draw in the fans and you know make it new and exciting and interesting so um i don't think we've got much to worry about with that one yep um oh and speaking of which um i think i forget where it was but it, there was some article or interview released recently where they did also finally confirm that the canceled spin-off film that josh trank was lined up to direct was going to be a boba fett movie um yeah i was in the entertainment weekly uh rogue one special cover story they had yeah and now people are talking like oh that's you know canceled or it's you know off the table or oh this is you know the boba fett movie that never was or that we'll never get to see or whatever and i'm sure we will still get to see that movie again at some oh, point. totally um yeah. and i i still like your idea where maybe they reshuffle things and incorporate them into the han solo movie as a villain or whatnot, but mm. uh, even if that does happen, I still think eventually we're going to get that standalone Boba Fett movie one day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Josh Trank isn't the only person in the world who can direct a Boba Fett movie, and <laughs> I think he was, you know, probably the reason that it just kind of got reshuffled around is uh, because they probably were already in talks with Phil Lord and Chris Miller about the Han Solo movie, and I'm sure, you know, Josh Trank had already been involved in the early conceptual phases of the Boba Fett movie as far as, you know, maybe just doing designs or doing, you know, story treatments, or maybe they'd already started writing a script or whatever. So when he left, you know, they had to go back to the drawing board on that one and already had made, you know, maybe a little bit of progress on the Han Solo film. So they just decided to bump that one up. Um, and I even remember at the time Kathleen Kennedy saying that, you know, that movie will still happen in the future. It's just we need to kind of, you know, reassess and, you know, start over on that one and, you know, find a, a new director and, you know, the right person to bring this to the screen. So, um, you know, obviously they haven't announced anything beyond, uh, episode nine in 2019, but I would not be surprised if we get to see that Boba Fett movie in 2020. Well, the biggest reveal that came out of that article was that it looks like they had, you know, a little teaser set up for celebration anaheim where mm -hmm. after they showed the rogue one they were gonna have one for boba fett man mm -hmm. that would have lost my mind <laughs> yeah oh my that gosh seeing that oh man <laughs> yeah and then yeah and he pulled out like so last minute that they had that all ready to go and then was just like oh well i guess we're not showing this yeah and of course it just makes you you know to think more where they said oh he was sick even if he was sick they might have be able to Tease the show the teaser, even though Josh couldn't be here, he wanted to share this. But you know, there was more to that than mm -hmm. him just being sick. They had, like you said, reshuffle everything, don't know when it's going to come out, so they just couldn't show it. But man, that would have been sweet if we got because that Rogue One teaser was really cool and mm -hmm. has yet to be officially released. So, but if we got that plus that Boba Fett tease, oh man, <laughs> yeah, oh man, yeah, I, I would have been very disappointed that I wasn't in that room, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, like I said, I'm I'm sure we'll still get that at some point. This isn't like uh, you know, Star Wars 1313 where uh, you know, it's some 
you know, tragic lost project that's probably never going to see the light of day. Like, you know, again, yeah. it just needs to go back in the pipeline. It's kind of, um, you know, going back to the start. But yeah, how, not, can, how can they not end up doing that? I know. Plus, it's not like you have to worry about an actor to play Boba Fett, at least for me, all you really need to worry about who's going to do his voice, whether it's yeah. or D Bradley Baker, each, either one would work for me. So it's not like, Oh, we've got to hold out for this actor or he's getting older or whatnot. They just got to stick someone in the suit and get one of those two to do his voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, plus, you know, if it's a, a film that takes place like around the time of the original trilogy, like, they don't necessarily need to cast a certain actor anyways, you know, cause I think regardless, like Tamura Morrison is probably a little too old to do it at this point. Um, I mean, they could have him do, you know, as far as being the guy under the mask, like if we ever see him at some point, which I would assume we would, if he's going to be the main character of the movie, like I, I don't think they would do a movie where it's just, you know, you see Boba Fett in the helmet the entire time. Um, and you know, I mean, they, they could have Tamara Morrison do it and just do, you know, makeup or whatever. But, you know, I, I think by this point, he's significantly older than Boba would be um, during the original trilogy because he's, yeah, he would be like in his 30s or something. Um, and, you know, they could have Daniel Logan do it. But obviously, like, when you're 30, you don't have to necessarily be a spitting image of what you looked like when you were 10. So, you know, it could definitely be plausible if they find somebody else who, you know, looks similar enough, but doesn't look exactly like him. So, um, yeah, like you said, it it really doesn't depend on casting or anything like that. I think at this point, it's still just sort of a matter of, you know, conceptually designing it and getting the right creative team on board. So, um, but yeah, hopefully we will get to see that one day and hopefully that'll be awesome too. Um, and then also in that Entertainment Weekly article, um, Kathleen Kennedy talked a little bit about the future of Star Wars films after Episode Nine. I mean, obviously they haven't announced anything yet, but you know they're definitely uh, still talking about it and whether they have concrete plans that they haven't announced or um, are still just kind of thinking about things, um, you know that Star Wars isn't just going to fall off the table after that. Um, But it's interesting, you know, they talk about whether they're going to continue the saga films, whether they're just going to focus on standalones. And she basically says that, you know, they're having all those discussions that they haven't really decided on anything yet. um, And that they'll probably um, start making some more concrete decisions about that. Like the beginning of next year after they've had both the force awakens and rogue one and are kind of, you know, in their groove a little bit more as far as um, you know, this new, era of making star Wars movies and working with Disney and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, it is, you know, it's just sort of interesting to hear, um, her talk about this. And then, you know, a lot of the, the speculation that other people have had since then just sort of reacting to this. Um, but the idea that, you know, they could just stop making saga films and focus on the standalones. And I've probably mentioned this before, but I actually would, love to see that happen at least in the short term um you know i'm not saying i never want to see a saga film again but i really strongly believe that you know like a star wars trilogy is such a a big thing um and i i think it's something special that just like every generation should have and you know there's really this cool um 
sort of generational thing that you get to do where it's not just like parents you know, sharing the stories with their kids, but it's, you know, seeing the stories on screen of like, now we get to see Luke as the wise old mentor uh, character that we saw Obi-Wan as, as the in the original trilogy. And then, you know, in the prequel trilogy, we got to see Obi-Wan as that uh, Padawan with his own mentor who then, you know, he became a Jedi master and was the um, you know, the mentor to Anakin, who was the younger version of Darth Vader, who we all knew from the original trilogy. So just sorting to sort of having those gaps in there and then getting to come back and kind of, you know, fill in those backstories, but kind of take a, take those characters and, you know, jump them forward a little bit and put them in different roles. I think it's, you know, really cool to shake things up that way. And then, you know, introduce new characters, obviously. Um, and, you know, I, I just really think that like every generation should get their own Star Wars trilogy. Um, and so, yeah, I don't want them to do episode nine and then keep doing 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, just every two years and keep focusing on, you know, Ray and Finn and Poe. Um, I would love to see them sort of wrap it up for now with episode nine and then make some more standalone films, make another animated series, make a live action TV series. And in 2030, come back with, uh, you know, Star Wars episode 10 and I'll get to show that to my kids. So, um, you know, I would love to see that happen. Like on the one hand, it's like, can you really have too much star Wars and eh, not really. And if they kept releasing episode movies, would I go see them? Yeah, obviously. But at the same time, sometimes it is nice to, you know, enjoy it in chunks and, uh, you know, you get a big, trilogy of three movies that tells this big epic saga and just sort of let that digest in the popular culture for a while um and especially now that they have the option to go and do these saga films or the the spin-off films too because there are endless stories that they could tell with those um so i really wouldn't mind seeing them just focus on those for a while and like i said some of the the stories in different other mediums and then uh maybe come back to the saga films a few years later yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page with you there as far as doing the saga films after episode nine. But Sorry, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, man, what I want to give to be a fly on the wall when they had those meetings uh, they said in January as far as what their future is going to be. Because I love just to not just hear what decisions they make, but the process and their reasoning as far as deciding on what direction to go, whether to focus more on the standalone movies or continue on with the saga films. but And which stories to tell, because... And, you know, I'm sure they're throwing out different ideas and ones that will see the light of day and ones that might sound cool but never come to fruition. It just would be so cool to be in that meeting process with the story group. But I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting, especially if Rogue One is a hit, which I think we're all expecting it to be. I think even recently they put out new projection numbers for its opening weekend as far as worldwide. It's looking at around like the 250 to 300 uh, million. So if it does what they're expecting to do and just another big financial success, they might not be, you know, too worried about having to continue on with only saga films. There will be an audience for the standalone movies. And maybe that could lead into, you know, what you were saying as far as the standalone movies filling the gaps for a little bit after episode nine, just to, you know, cause I totally agree that what makes the saga film special is that they're for each generation. And just even from a story standpoint, you see characters at a young age become mentors. And I think we'd all want to see that uh, with Ray Finn and who makes it out of episode nine. Uh, so yeah, I think there's good reasoning for them to hold off on doing 
uh, saga films for a while after episode nine. But yeah, as far as what standalone movies to do, I think I really think in this next batch, like we're talking about Boba Fett, that's probably still on the table to be one of the first standalone movies after episode nine. But I think we're going to get that Obi-Wan movie and uh, Anthony Bresnikan, who wrote the articles for Entertainment Weekly, he was recently on an episode of Rebel Force Radio where they were kind of talking about the possibility of the Obi-Wan standalone film because we know Ewan McGregor's on board. He's willing to do it once they are. But one of his sources was saying that the reason they haven't gone ahead with an Obi-Wan film just yet was because they're not quite done with him yet for the saga films as far as episode eight and nine regarding his story. So his sources were telling him they kind of want to wait on that for that to be wrapped up. Then maybe they can go back and tell an Obi-Wan story for a standalone film. And that makes total sense to me, especially if they do have stuff story-wise for him planned for the episodes eight or nine. And any, it's not like it'd be, you know, we have to wait any longer because any new star Wars film that gets announced now is going to be after episode nine anyway so it's not like we have to wait even longer to see a obi-wan film after the sequel trilogy is done but i have a feeling that's going to be another i don't want to say priority but one of their characters on their top of their list to probably get us new standalone <laughs> film out there which i think every fan would be excited about because i know for me being an obi-wan fan and just in general that when someone asks you about what star wars standalone film you think you'd want to see Obi-Wan's usually on the top of a lot of people's list. So it's mm-hmm. hard for me to imagine that Lucasfilm in the story group does not see that and would realize that not only fans want it, but it would be an awesome story to tell. So I think right off the bat, we're probably going to get a Boba Fett and Obi-Wan standalone film as far as the new era post episode nine. And I, <laughs> I could probably couldn't be happier because they're two of my favorite characters in star Wars. So if that's the route they go, it, you know, I'd be one happy fan, but like I said at the beginning, it's just going to be an interesting time in the Lucasfilm offices in January next month. Once Rogue One's come out, they know the reception for it, and they're deciding where to go. Hopefully, there's a camera crew there, so it can be on some Blu-ray special features down the line mm-hmm. in one of the movies, because that would be cool to experience. But yeah, I, it's, it's hard to believe we're even talking about post-Episode Nine stuff already. <laughs> I, mean, I know, right? We're just getting our second Star Wars movie now, but Lucasfilm's got to keep one step ahead and get things down the pipeline so we can keep experiencing this golden age of star Wars. So yeah, thankfully they are being proactive and getting things ready ahead of time. Yeah, definitely. Um, man. And yeah, I just, I can't wait to see what they come up with. Um, I get the feeling that, you know, for a while they're still probably going to stick pretty close to the stories of the saga films. Like for example, you know, we, we stories about things like, Rogue One and like Han Solo and Obi-Wan and Boba Fett and, you know, characters that we already know. But at some point, I still would love to see them branch off into um, slightly uncharted territory. You know, I still have my fanboy dreams of seeing, (laughs) you know, either a Knights of the Old Republic movie or Netflix series or something like that. Um, But again, even if it doesn't, you know, have all the same story or same characters as the video game, you know, just something set in that time period would be cool. Um, you know, something set, you know, even if it's only like a hundred or 200 years before, uh, the Phantom Menace, you know, maybe a story about Darth Plagueis or Darth Bane or, you know, some of these other guys that we, yeah, yeah, because, uh, 
I mean, you know, as far as I know, Darth Revan maybe isn't st- still isn't officially canon. Yeah. Um, there hasn't been mentioned in any you know officially canon stories. He just barely missed uh, getting an appearance in the Mortis arc in Clone Wars. But Darth Bane, we know, is canon, um, thanks to the uh, the Yoda trilogy from the end of Clone Wars. So, you know, yeah, something like that, or something about Darth Plagueis, or uh, even maybe something about you know the origin of Snoke once we find out who he is, which. Who knows? That could be the Darth Plagueis movie, um, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever else. Um, you know, there's still just lots of different stories they could tell. So um, and that's another thing, too, where I just thought of it right now, where if we know Ray, Finn and Poe, pretty much almost everyone can agree that they were great characters in The Force Awakens. A lot of people took to them. And even at post episode nine, if, even if they wanted to wait for a few years to get in episode 10, they could always do a standalone movie based on one of those characters, whether mm-hmm. it's a prequel or a sequel or, you know, they're just off doing their own thing and just still telling more stories with those characters, but yet not having it be a saga film. Yeah, but, just make a, a Star Wars version of Top Gun with Poe and the uh, Black Squadron. There you are. Just even Finn, part of his training as being a stormtrooper, I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. Because that was kind of what his story was in Before the Awakening, and that was my favorite one. Well... I go back. That was my favorite one at a time, but when I read Ray's, I really liked hers. So they were both good, but I really liked seeing what Finn went through in his thought process, being trained and being born to be a, a soldier and a stormtrooper. That was really cool, and I think can make for a cool movie. But if I were to go way out there and to, like, pick a different era, I would just love to see the origin of the Jedi, to see oh, yeah. the order being set up officially for the first time, and even the for, first Force users, some of that effect. I would love to get that history and backstory. Yeah, man, how cool would that be? I know, I've been waiting for that for so long, and there is that comic series that came out a few years ago. I can't remember what it was. I wasn't a big fan of it. That's probably why I can't remember the, <laughs> the name of it, but it was kind of telling you a little bit of the origins of the jedi but i just couldn't get wait it. are you talking about tales of the jedi or that's what i want to say but i know that was the old like way back yeah well Star the, the tales that was the one with like the xr coon yeah and there was like the the beast riders of onderon and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i think i know what you're talking about there was the different it was a different story and i I can sort of picture it. There was like a a comic series, but also like a series of tie-in novels. Yeah, Dawn of the Jedi. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, that one. That concept got me intrigued, but when I read the actual issue, it was like, it's not, they're really not telling the origin, and it's not even that great anyway. So I'm still waiting for that definitive origin story of Mm -hmm. the Jedi. Well, even if it... If I did enjoy it or whatnot, it's not canon anyway anymore. So yeah, exactly. And I was going to say too, like they had um, there was a version of that of the backstory, you know, the the origin of the Jedi and the Sith and everything in uh, sort of the lore of the Old Republic uh, MMO game as well. And I remember seeing that Dawn of the Jedi series, um, and I was interested in that because. You know, I was like, oh, I wonder if it's, if it's going to sort of flesh out the backstory from the Old Republic more. And it seemed like it didn't even quite line up exactly. Um, and so, or, you know, it was maybe kind of confusing or it wasn't, you know, what I was expecting it was going to be. So, um, but yeah, now that both of those are 
not official canon anymore. I would love to see an official canon version of that, especially now that we've seen Luke on, you know, this planet Octo or whatever yeah. it's called, where, you know, like Han said, it's supposedly the location of the first Jedi temple, um, which by now I'm sure is probably just a ruin or something. But, you know, how cool would it be if we see Luke and Ray like exploring the ruins of this ancient temple in episode eight, and then we get a spinoff film showing, that thing in you know it's full glory when it had been fully constructed and you know on the same planet years and years before dude man i would love nothing more the fact that we're gonna hopefully we might get little teases of the history of the jedi in, the epi- in episode eight oh man it's just gonna make me want that <laughs> history movie even more <laughs> yeah man yeah so much cool stuff they could do with that um and you know what? Maybe one day. Well, I have. I know we've obviously spent time on this before. Um, you know, theorizing and coming up with different ideas they could do for movies and stuff. But maybe someday when you know the news is slow and we're waiting for the next big trailer or something to come out, we should just like put out a random episode where we just pitch ideas for spinoff films. Yeah, our top five standalone movies we want to see or something like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, anyway, so, uh, you know, definitely cool to, um, you know, just kind of speculate and be intrigued as far as what the the possibility or what the future could hold um, as far as possibilities beyond episode nine and, you know, what other movies we could see there. Um, Even though, like we said, that's still years away and we've still got uh, four more Star Wars movies (laughs) now and then, which seems crazy to think about. I know. And again, one in just six more days. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, also, uh, it was just recently announced that there's going to be a new uh, Darth Maul comic series from Marvel coming out. Um, and it's going to be sort of exploring Maul's backstory uh, before the Phantom Menace. Um, and I believe it's still. Yeah, so it's it's while he's being trained by Darth Sidious. Because, um, I mean, obviously Maul's backstory has kind of been explored on Clone Wars a little bit, um, but that was more as far as, like, where he was born and, uh, you know, his connection to Mother Talzin and the Night Sisters and all that kind of stuff um, before Sidious found him. Um, and so now this comic series is just going to sort of be uh, leading up to the Phantom Menace, I guess, is just, you know, showing Maul as his apprentice in training um, and Sidious just kind of, you know, sharpening him into that deadly weapon that he uses um so this you know sounds like it's probably going to be pretty cool too um obviously still a story pretty closely tied to the movies but nice to not see it set in between episodes four and five yeah so uh yeah i mean at this point once they brought him back and we all thought they were crazy but then it ended up being a good thing because they did such an awesome job with him now it's just like since when is more darth maul ever a bad thing Yep. I know as much as I like Darth Maul and I'm excited for the story, the aspect that has me most excited for this comic is the fact that it's set pre-Phantom Menace, which is, I believe, our first canon story set in that era now, which is pretty cool. And I can't wait not only just to see Darth Maul and Sidious at that time, but hopefully we'll get a look at the galaxy itself in a time where it's not at war, whether it's the Clone Wars or the Civil War between the Rebellion and the Empire. It's just going to be cool to see a different state of the galaxy where it's not dealt with conflict right now so that's going to be cool but then again seeing more of maul's training with sidious and the description is sounds pretty cool it says 
Um, the comic finds Maul as an untested warrior under the training of Darth Sidious, who would later become the Galactic Emperor. Told to stand down from engaging with Jedi yet, Maul hunts down the worst of the worst in the cosmic underworld to vent his frustration. After learning a young Jedi Padawan named Eldra Kytus has fallen into the hands of a crime lord, Maul seizes an opportunity to test his skills against a real Jedi, but also maybe turn someone else to the dark side. So that's interesting right there, as we know. He's trying to get Ezra, <laughs> the last few Star Wars Rebels episodes, to join him and become his apprentice. And it might be something that he's been trying to do for a while, where if he encounters this Jedi and uh, tries to seduce this Jedi to the dark side, while maybe he was be tempted to kill him to show his uh, skills to Palpatine, but maybe he thinks, you know, as a Sith would, uh, the rule of two, <laughs> you know, you're going to become or your goal is to become the master and you're going to need an apprentice. So maybe he's already starting down to do that in this comic, which would be a cool avenue of the character to explore. So yeah, it all sounds really good. And I believe it comes out in February. So not too long. The star Wars miniseries comics kind of been hit and miss. The Han Solo one, the last one we got was great. I mean, I said on this podcast before, I wasn't too excited about that one. Just again, where the era was set in the, premise but it ended up being one of the better star wars comics i was pleasantly surprised by that one but then you have ones like uh, chewbacca that really wasn't great and the obi-wan and anakin one i probably built that one up too high <laughs> as far as being excited for it because it's just a, a comic with obi-wan and anakin in a, in a period where yeah we've seen them before as mastered apprentice but never when anakin was this young so it was cool to see that but the story wasn't that great so they have been hit and miss but i'm really intrigued with the Darth Maul one for a lot of reasons. The story, the era that it's in, and just the potential character development, we can get more from Maul. So hopefully it lives up to my excitement. But either way, I'm definitely going to get every issue regardless. You know, <laughs> if I get the first few or not enjoying it, but I still got to stick with it because you never know that last issue can turn things around <laughs> if there's a big story development or it ends in a good way. So I'll mm -hmm. be there for all five. Yeah, and I will maybe get the trade when it comes out. Yep. <laughs> I'll let you know how good it is. So. Oh, yeah, there you go. I, I use you as my uh, my comic screener. Yep. So you should get the Han Solo one when that comes out on trade. I might just do that. Um, And lastly, uh, as far as news items go, you know we got to talk some Star Wars Battlefront. Um, especially and you know since what, Kyle? Mm -hmm. This might be our last time talking about some significant news for this first version of Star Wars Battlefront. Tim, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, this is the last, uh, you know, DLC expansion pack in the season pass. Um, and we know that Battlefront 2 is going to be on the way this time next year. So... Um, yeah, probably won't really be hearing any more big news about the first Battlefront game, um, you know, after this. So, uh, but yeah, the, uh, the Scarif, uh, DLC pack just came out, uh, what, last week or something? Um, this past Tuesday, yeah. Oh yeah, huh? I'm looking at the post on our website that says it's from December 1st, but yeah, it just came out on Tuesday of this week. Um, and, uh, yeah, obviously you get to play uh, on these new maps on Scarif from Rogue One. You get to play as Jin and Director Krennic as, uh, you know, the Rebel and Imperial heroes. Um, they've got a new game mode called Infiltration. Um, 
which is kind of similar to the Death Star, uh, you know, the Battle Station mode from the Death Star DLC, where it's got like these three different phases to it, and the first phase is a space battle, so that's cool. Um, and you know, I don't, I mean, I I just love the the look of it, and you know, it's always fun to be able to play on new maps and play new content and stuff. Um, I will say with the infiltration mode, definitely my favorite part is the space battle at the beginning because, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's just X-Wings versus TIE Fighters. There's no U, uh, no A-Wings or TIE Interceptors or anything like that. Um, except that people on the Rebel team randomly get chosen to be a U-Wing and you're trying to make it from like the beginning of the battle to uh, this you know shield gate over Scarif. Um to you know make it through the uh, the imperial shield and land on the planet which then starts the next phase um and it's just this mad dash like it's so much fun to play as the u-wing and you get like different boosts you can use it's got a um it's got a shield a speed boost and the sensor jammer so enemies can't lock onto you with uh, missiles while that's active and so it's basically like the ultimate defensive ship it's you know not all that strong offensively. I mean, it does, you know, have at least lasers. I don't even know if it has torpedoes or not. Cause I haven't tried it. Um, well, actually, no, I guess it doesn't have torpedoes cause all those special move buttons are, are used for the defensive boosts. Um, but I can definitely say I've never killed anyone with the U wing. Um, but it is just so much fun to try to like outrun the, uh, the Imperial forces. It's basically just, a whole match of trying to make a break for it. And obviously everyone on the rest of your team. Um, and when you're playing as just an X-Wing or whatever, you're just trying to fight off tie fighters and defend, uh, the U-Wing. And it's always fun to play as the rebels on that match because like, it's basically just shooting fish in a barrel. Like if you're not playing as the U-Wing, all the tie fighters are going after the U-Wing and (laughs) I just rack up so many kills. Um, and if you are playing as the U-Wing, it's like, there's nothing more exhilarating than being down to like 10% health and being so close to the shield gate. And you can see on your radar that there's like six tie fighters behind you. But then, you know, I'm talking to you cause we're in a party and you're like, Oh, I just picked another one off and Oh, I just picked another one off and you know, you're clearing the way for me. And I'm just like, I gotta make it. And you know, <laughs> using all your boosts and doing barrel rolls and trying to avoid, you know, the laser fire that you see flying past you and stuff. So it is, Oh, so much fun. I mean, it's, and it's not even like there's that much depth to it. Cause again, like I said, it's basically just, you know, it, you're, you're just making a mad dash for the finish line. Um, and it's not like the, the death star trench run, um, on the battle station mode where you've got like checkpoints that you try to reach. It's like, no, if you get shot down as the U wing, then somebody else on your team gets you know, spawns as the Ewing and they start back from the beginning and, you know, there's no checkpoints or progress markers or anything. It's like, you got to do the whole thing in one shot. Um, but the longer into the match you go, the more people get to play as Ewing. So first they'll only be like one at a time. And then after a while, there'll be, you know, two people being Ewings at once and then there'll be three and then there'll be four. So, I mean, after a while, it's kind of easy for at least somebody to get by. Um, but, yeah, I just I have such a blast with that. Then the the two other modes where you play like on the planet. I mean, those are fun. Um 
maybe not as much fun for me. Like I haven't been blown away with those, but just the visuals of the Scarif map is really cool. Um, I guess the only thing I was slightly disappointed by is that the, the battles don't have like as much of a grand epic scale to them as I was expecting, kind of just based off the trailers for rogue one. Um, but it wouldn't make for a very fun video game if you just have, you know, big armies of players just running at each other across an open beach uh, you know, it might make for a cool battle scene in a movie, but in a video game, you're just going to keep dying over and over and over again, and there's not really any strategy or tactic to it. So, well, to be fair, you haven't played Walker Assault on there yet, have you? I have. Uh, oh, okay, I, I played like a couple of matches, and that was pretty fun. Um, but again, it's it's just kind of obvious that with the way that the objectives are set up on the infiltration mode, it's like, that's the mode that's kind of supposed to be emulating like the story of the movie. Almost. Um, it's like first you're in space trying to get through the gate to land on the planet. Then you're trying to, um, blow up some Imperial cargo shuttles to, um, you know, just as a diversion for the empire. So you can get on with the main part of your mission. And then you, are in a bunker and you pick up these data tapes and once again, just make a mad dash for the extraction zone. And if you get killed, somebody else can pick up your tape and keep going with it. Um, and so it's like, Oh, I get the feeling this is kind of what the movie's going to be like where, you know, they have just these different objectives like, okay, we got to get here, but first we got to do this. And then while these guys are doing this, you guys will be over here distracting them with this. And, you know, obviously the, the main objective is going to be the, to get the Death Star plans and get them off the planet. So, um, you know, so it's like, oh, I kind of feel like I'm playing out Rogue One here, but there's no walkers shooting at me. Yeah, because I haven't done walker assault yet. And I was kind of figuring that that would give you more of the feel of the battles we're seeing in the trailers so far where you're on the beach and you got walkers attacking you there but i don't know is it a it's at least a bigger map than what's on the infiltration mode or is it pretty much similar to what we've gotten on that one um i think it's pretty similar it might i mean i haven't quite played enough yet to really be familiar with all the different maps um i think there is I, i think there are some slight variations to the walker assault map Um, but it's still, it isn't really like that big open sort of, you know, mad dash on the beach kind of feeling. It's, it's Mm, like, it feels disappointing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it feels like, I mean, it's like you're on a little Island on Scarif and it's like most of the action sort of takes place more like in the middle of the Island kind of, um, I mean, you know, there's some stuff kind of set up like more on the inside of the beach and then there's, you know, pathways going through the jungle and then like a big metal catwalk thing that like runs over the top of the trees and you can kind of run along that to get from point a to point b but it's like the i i think there's you know there's a walker on each side of the map and they're kind of like along the beaches of the island but those are kind of like the fringes of the map um and if you go out there you're most likely just either going to get picked off by a walker or by a tie striker flying around or something like that so again you know even though you would think that um you know, even though it looks like that's where most of the action takes place in the movie, it's like I can understand from a video game standpoint, there's not really a whole lot of fun in just having, you know, two big armies just running at each other across a big wide open space. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it would be 
the similar to the Kashyyyk level in Battlefront 2, mm-hmm. where you're on the beachfront there, but you know, just on Scarif with walkers and looking a lot much better <laughs> with the graphics yeah. nowadays. But yeah, I haven't done Walker Assault yet. I was kind of counting on that to have that feeling, but apparently it doesn't. But I mean, I, I'm not like completely disappointed with it yet, so I don't want to like crush your hopes. I'm just saying. I maybe got a little, I, I maybe got my expectations up a little too high thinking mm-hmm. it was going to feel exactly like what was in the movie while really it feels like a, a, a slightly scaled down version of it. Um, whereas with the Death Star DLC, I think they really nailed the feeling of feeling like you're actually in the Battle of Yavin flying down the Death totally. Star Trench. Yeah, I will say though, I totally agree with you about the space battle portion of Infiltration, even on Fire Squad, and that that mode is so much fun and just visually i just love the environment you're in you're amongst this space debris of ships where you can easily crash into it but then just seeing scarif just be in the forefront so looking so big and huge it's just a really cool visual dynamic to experience when you're flying your ship and doing whether it's fighter squadron or infiltration just visually it's just so cool and i would say it's probably a little more cooler than the that star map where amongst the star destroyers and the asteroids i don't know there's something about that one where as cool as it is to see geonosis in the background the star destroyers it feels a little too confined to me where this one just seems so much more open space and just with the planet i think visually it helps even if it's not kind of creates that illusion that there's more space for you to go to so i just visually i just love how that um space map looks on the uh, for above scarabs mm-hmm. uh i know we were talking about too where if it would be have that map and then one where you're in atmosphere on Scarif, but I think it looks like it's only just that one where you're in space and you see the planet there. Yeah, at least from what I've played so far. But then again, I don't know that I've actually played Fighter Squadron on that map. Um, I've just played the space battle and the infiltration mode a lot. I think it is, because I've done at least two Fighter Squadron modes on that, and I've gotten the space one twice, so it kind of made me think that there is none in the atmosphere of Scarif. Mm-hmm. But still, I love that visual dynamic of that map so much i won't complain too much about it because i won't get bored on that one anytime soon i just love how it looks oh yeah same here and i mean you know there are as with all the expansions there's cool new you know weapons and uniforms and stuff that you can unlock um and you know no death troopers though so they're they're just the krennic's bodyguards you get to pick yeah but i think that makes a lot of sense yeah it does what we know about their role in the story so um Plus we got the Dark Trooper in there too, so it's kind of like it, but still not as cool as a Death Trooper. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can't unlock them and use them all the time, but you still can play as them. Yeah. Short Troopers, though, they look cool. The Short Troopers look really great. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of the the most impressive, uh, you know, just visual settings for this game so far. Um, You know, just like of all the, the maps and the expansion packs and stuff that we've gotten so far, like just the the jungles and everything on Scarif look really good. Um, and it's still just, you know, it's a lot of fun to play. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. Even though, even if I might've gotten my expectations up a little too high, as far as just the epic scale of it, um, it's still, you know, it looks great and yeah, I just have a lot of fun with it. So, um, yeah. And, and, you know, so I guess a great way to cap off the year of uh, Battlefront DLC releases. And now we wait for the next one. Yep. 
Hopefully with uh, prequel content stuff, because that's now high in my priority uh, list. <laughs> I hope so, but... I I'm get getting a little nervous, i got to be honest with you, because every time you hear a developer that dies talk about Battlefront 2 and how there's going to be expanding more from just the original trilogy, all they talk about is the sequel trilogy, like mm-hmm. Episode 7 and 8. It was like, eh, you're forgetting some other movies there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, if, if they make a Battlefront 2 and it's just based on the sequel trilogy and it does well and sells a lot of copies and they have to make another sequel. There's only one more place for them to go. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll give them the three strike rule. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, I would, I would think it would make more sense to make the pre, you know, make a clone wars battlefront game first. And then you release the sequel trilogy one, the year that episode nine comes out and then you can have maps from all three movies in there. Yep. Um, or, you know, have episode seven and eight and then release the episode nine maps as DLC over the course of, you know, 2019. But um, when they release it next year, like, you know, if we have another season pass it as DLC all through 2018, there's not going to be any episode nine stuff in that yet because that won't be up for another year. So I know. Like, how much could they really put on that? Yeah. Um, Unless there's a lot of planets in episode eight <laughs> that they're can't fit into the first release of it, but I kind of doubt that. Yeah, or you know they could just squeeze us and make the uh, the Clone Wars stuff the paid DLC for that game, but that wouldn't make the most sense, especially given their logic where they're like, oh well, it wouldn't make sense from a canon standpoint to have two time yeah. periods in one game. <laughs> Well, that lame excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, so I think that pretty much wraps up all the uh, the actual news items we have to talk about. Um, so, like we said, Rogue One, six days away. Uh, Tim, what are your final thoughts going into the movie? Yeah, I'm just super excited for it, as you can probably obviously tell. <laughs> and yeah, I was excited for this movie from the get-go and yeah it's not quite on the same level as the force awakens i mean what can be when it's the first star wars movie in 10 years that we didn't expect to get but it's a new star wars movie regardless and i'm going to be excited for every single one that we're going to get now and i gotta say too reading catalyst even jump my jump started my excitement even more for it because like i said just getting to know some of the characters more and then you're gonna see I enjoyed those characters in the book and knowing that you're going to see them in the movie too, just adds to the excitement and anticipation of wanting to see it. So yeah, from a story standpoint, I'm excited for it. I mean, like you said, it's not something necessarily that jumps right out, out you as far as a star Wars story you wanted to see as far as them seeing the death star plans. But at the same time, it's going to be awesome. And just going back even like recently, just watching the opening crawl for A New Hope, it's going to give that so much more meaning now. So I can't wait. My plan is to see Rogue One and then the weekend it comes out, see A New Hope uh, at home. And just, you know, I think it's going to enhance that movie too once we see it again. Just knowing what that first victory for the Rebellion was like is going to be awesome to put that, you know, in the back of your mind and recall what that experience was actually, or what actually happened there when you read that in the crawl, which I think is going to be awesome. So that's got me excited and again the battles are just looking incredible the battle on scarif the space battle and the surface battle hopefully they just scratch the surface of what they showed in the trailers and tv spots and we're just going to be blown away by a bunch of awesome new stuff when we're actually in the theater and then 
characters are looking great. Chiru, K2SO, Jin, Cassian. I just love the dynamic. Looks like we're getting with this team so far. And then you throw in Saw Gerrera from the Clone Wars. I can't wait to see what more stuff we learn about him in the movie and maybe get a little nods to the Clone Wars or whatnot, which is something I think would be cool. And then, I mean, we're going to see Darth Vader again in a new Star Wars movie. <laughs> That's going to be awesome in itself. To see Darth Vader, fully Darth Vader. I mean, we might not see him use his lightsaber, but we saw him in episode three, which was, you know, the beginning of Darth Vader as far as getting into the costume. We didn't see him really do much. So I'm not sure if we're going to get more Vader in Rogue One than we did in episode three. Hopefully we do. But it's just going to be amazing to see Vader on screen again with James Earl, or James Earl Jones doing the voice. Oh, I just can't wait to hear every word <laughs> that comes <laughs> from Vader's mouth in this movie. It's just going to give me chills. And just, you know, to see his dynamic with Krennic, I have theories as far as uh, what we said it before the podcast of what's going to happen with Krennic when he confronts Vader which we think is inevitable so looking forward to seeing Vader in action on this and yeah just I just can't wait to see everything play out my expectations are pretty high for it right now and from everything I'm seeing and hearing from some of the people who got to see that uh we're at the press junk and I got to see that 25 minute footage is just reaffirming my excitement for it. And it looks like it's going to be just a great Star Wars movie in general. So, yeah, I'm counting down the days, and there's not that many days now. So I'll probably keep myself busy with watching more Star Wars content this weekend. Hmm. By watching, I'll probably watch the Geonosis arc from Clone Wars because see kind of where things got started, maybe a little bit of Episode 2, uh, that end battle sequence. Stuff that's going to tie in with the Death Star but I'm saving a new hope to watch after I see Rogue One. So yeah. that seems like the logical choice to watch, but I'm going to hold off on that. So uh, it's going to be an awesome experience to see another Star Wars movie in such a short amount of time after The Force Awakens. So looking forward to doing it all over again, waiting in line and then experiencing more Star Wars. It's going to be great. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I can't wait. Um, I'm definitely, you know, really excited for it. You know, and, and it's funny to, to look back at, um, just sort of the, the journey that the movie has been on as far as the marketing and the, the press releases and the information that we've gotten and the way that my sort of excitement and expectation has changed and grown over time. Um, and obviously I still have to actually see the movie first to, um, you know, sort of give my final verdict. But if it's as good as we're hoping, if it's as good as it looks right now, and if I end up being really happy with it, like Rogue One will definitely be um, the first Star Wars movie that's kind of had to win me over and succeeded. Um, and again, I mean, it's Star Wars. I was going to go see it all along. I've been excited for it all along. But like I said, I mean, let's be honest with episode seven, like I had kind of already decided that I was going to like the movie before I even saw the movie, you know, like just knowing that there was going to be a Star Wars Episode Seven and that Han and Luke and Leia were coming back, I was like, well, that's it. I, I'm going. I'm going to see it a bunch of times. I'm going to freaking love this movie. Um, and then all the trailers and stuff just confirmed that for me and got me even more excited. But Rogue One, I was like, okay, let's see what they do with this. And then, you know, with the trailers and stuff, it was like, looks interesting. Looks better. Looks good. Okay, that looks amazing. Yep, that looks really good. Okay, I'm hyped <laughs> now. Let's go. Let's do this. Um, and then hopefully the movie itself, you know, ends up blowing me away even more than, you know, the, the recent trailers and stuff have. So, um, I've definitely, I've got high hopes for it now. Um, I'm 
you know, really excited for it. So, uh, yeah, and I, I agree with you too. I'm definitely within the next, you know, within a day or two after the movie comes out, I'm going to sit down and watch A New Hope while it's still fresh on my mind um, and see how, you know, one kind of flows into the other. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I do want this to be, I mean, even though it's all about the Death Star and the Death Star plans and everything, like, you want those characters to be able to stand on their own and not just have this be like a prologue that's, you know, only purpose is to be watched right before you watch A New Hope. Um, but still, you know, I'm sure just, you know, coming off the the emotional high of watching that movie, I'll have to just be like, well, we saw them steal the Death Star plans. Now let's go watch them blow up the Death Star. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped. Uh, you know, I'm excited. I can't wait. And like I said, it still just kind of feels surreal that six days from now, we're going to be watching another Star Wars movie. Um, or actually, I mean, at this point, it's almost 10 o'clock now. Like, we'll probably have just come out of the theater and, you know, be yeah. <laughs> sharing our reactions and hopefully talking about how much we loved it. So yeah, hopefully our mouth is on the floor by the time it's over. Just yeah. In a day of how awesome it was. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to mention when being excited, I'm going to finally see the death troopers in action. I mean, there is reason enough for yeah. <laughs> to be super. Well, you know, what's, at this time. you know, what's funny is I was just thinking about that when you were talking about Vader, I'm like, there are so many cool elements of this movie and they're all kind of small things because with The Force Awakens, it was like, oh my gosh, new characters, new planets, new stories, new villains, Luke coming back, Han coming back, Leia coming back. It was like all these big things kind of mashed into one. But with Rogue One, I feel like there's so many kind of, I mean, not little Easter eggs or anything, but obviously, like, I don't think anybody's quite as excited about Baze and Chirrut as we were about seeing Luke in Episode 7. But, you know, just so many aspects to this film to get excited about that sometimes yeah. you, you you know you get focused on one and then forget about another you know you might be like oh man Baze and Cheer look really awesome and K2SO looks hilarious and there's going to be X-Wings and TIE Fighters and yeah man this movie's going to be awesome and oh I almost forgot Vader's going to be in it too you know like just so many little things that I think are going to come together to make this a really enjoyable experience so yeah I totally agree this gonna be what i'm hoping for is when we're gonna do our review episode just recall so many cool moments or little things that happen throughout the movie that just enhance the experience and it just makes you go oh man that's so awesome even if it's something small like i said i think we're gonna get quite a few of that stuff with the characters and you know with me being a trooper guy we're getting i'm gonna get variations of troopers that we've never seen before in a star wars movie well, no, I think maybe even more so than the clones, because a lot of them in episode three were just kind of different color scheme. We got some with the biker troopers and uh, the troopers on Megiddo, but other than that, there wasn't too very much variation as far as other than the color schemes anyway. But this one, the death troopers, regular storm troopers, shore troopers, and then the hover tank pilots, all their helmets and uniforms are different from each other, and mm -hmm. they all look so awesome <laughs> yeah so just to see more variations on trooper armor is just another reason for me to be excited about this movie and hopefully for the potential for death troopers to you know break the stereotypical thing <laughs> where all imperial troops can't shoot or hit anything i think they're finally at least for them stormtroopers from what we saw on the tv spots yeah that's not going to change but no. <laughs> at least we're going to know there's an elite squad out there somewhere in the empire <laughs> yeah yeah, definitely. Well, I can't wait, man. Um, 
So, yeah, obviously we'll be back uh, with a new episode sometime, probably next weekend. Um, actually, if you guys are interested, we will also be doing the uh, the Thunderquack uh, roundtable um, for the month of December. Is obviously going to be us talking about Rogue One, um, and I think uh, Jason Hunt from the the Wampus Lair podcast and the Talking Time Lords um, is also going to be on that with us. And I'm not sure if anyone else will be, but, um, that'll be something you can tune into. You know, we're, it's going to be a live broadcast on YouTube and we'll just be doing a video chat, um, and talking about that. Um, and then, but, you know, of course, in addition to that, I'm sure we'll record our own episode on here, um, probably the following Saturday or something like that. Um, and, sort of probably elaborate because on those round tables we usually go like one or two hours and i'm sure when we actually get to talk about rogue one in depth we'll be going you know two or three hours you know, you know us so well, we gotta, awake, it's almost four <laughs> yeah we gotta cover every little detail um well an hour is just gonna be me gushing about the death troopers hopefully that That's is how true lived up to my expectations <laughs> but see again it probably won't have it, it probably won't be as long as our force awakens review because there won't be as many unanswered questions for us to speculate about that um, is true you know i don't remember how much time we spent discussing you know who snoke is and uh who ray's parents were and uh you know what was going to happen next with luke and kylo ren and all that kind of stuff but you know i i get the feeling that rogue one is going to have much more of a sense of finality to it um and we're not going to be wondering, you know, who Jin's parents are or, uh, <laughs> you know, what Vader's really up to or what's going to happen next. Uh, we know what happens next. So, um, but it will, yeah, like you said, we'll probably just be gushing about how much we love the characters and how cool the action scenes were and all the awesome new, you know, ships and trooper armor and all that kind of stuff that we're going to get to see. So, um, you know, all that good stuff that comes along with a new Star Wars movie. Yep. Uh, again, <laughs> it's just so cool that we're experiencing this uh, just a year after The Force Awakens come out because that was such a magical time and we're, we're experiencing that excitement again for a new Star Wars movie and we're going to get it next year and the year after that. It's just, oh, I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah. This can't get any better than this for a Star Wars fan. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think we're just about ready to wrap up. Um, covered everything that we need to cover and we are hyped and ready to go. So. Hope you guys are as excited as we are uh, to see Rogue One and uh, hope you all enjoy it. And we will be back with a new episode once we've all gotten to see the movie. So, um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Uh, enjoy the movie. Hope you don't have to, you know, wait too long in line or, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Hope everybody just has a uh, an awesome time, um, you know, getting to uh, experience uh you know, another Star Wars movie release. So, well, if you are waiting in line, know that I'll be waiting with you in spirit because I'll probably be getting there pretty early, yeah. <laughs> just like I did for The Force Awakens. And I didn't get assigned seating like some people did. So. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I was planning to have to wait in line until, uh, you know, my friend Joey was like, hey, let's go to this big, you know, Cinemark XD theater that's got a big screen and reserved seats and we won't have to wait in line. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound like a bad plan. <laughs> yeah, see, for me, I'd rather just go to my, it's a nice theater I have locally and I don't want to 
drive all the way to LA or Hollywood, which is a kind of a long drive for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like, I'd rather just keep it local. Theater is nice anyway, and it's not so bad waiting in line. So yeah, <laughs> well, see, I, I definitely don't blame you there because I mean, this theater is about half an hour away from me. Except it's only like five or ten minutes from where I work. Um, and I'll probably just be heading over there right when I get off work that day. So that works out perfectly. Um, but if it was, you know, that far away from my house and I had to drive there in LA traffic, then heck no, I'd be going to the closest theater possible. Exactly. (laughs) So, all right. Well, anyway, uh, hope you guys all have an awesome time and enjoy the movie and we will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody.